This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. This is Taylor Stevens, the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And Taylor, Julie and I were in Texas to see our grandson and his uh, at his second birthday a couple of weeks ago, and it just reminded me we haven't had a farm story for a while. <laughs> Well, I don't have a super exciting farm story to tell, but I have a cat story I can tell. So long-term listeners know that I have a cat. My cat, we call him Sir Pounce de Leon, but, you know, day to day, he's just called Leo. And Leo came to me by way of little straight kitty noises inside a truck engine. And he was just so tiny. And now he's my cat. And he is hilarious. He is the most He's so talkative and he's the most headbuttingest cat I've ever met in my life, just constantly headbutting you for attention. But he likes to play. He's still high energy. And his favorite thing in the whole wide world is this toy that it's like a little fishing rod. And then at the end, it's not a real fishing rod, it's like a little plastic stick, but in the idea of a fishing rod that. Off the end of it comes an elastic, and then the elastic t- attaches in sequence to three small felt flowers, right? So instead of fishing line, you've got an elastic line with these small flowers on it. And it's his favorite toy in the whole wide world because he likes to jump and chase it. And, and you know, he's such a badass, right? And I don't have a chance, <clears throat> excuse me, to play with him much throughout the day. But bedtime is when generally he gets that kind of attention and he knows it now. And so as soon as he sees me start walking to the bedroom, he races ahead, jumps on the bed and starts meowing at me like, all right, let's do it. Let's play. And so, you know, I'll swing the thing around and then, you know, I'm busy. I got to go take a shower or whatever. So last night I, I left him. And I went and took my shower, walked out of the room for something, came back in. He sat up. He looked me dead in the eyes and went, <laughs> like, you're going to play with me. I'm like, okay, <laughs> fine. Yes, I will play with you. And of course, he's so happy. And he talks to it the whole time. You know, the whole time. Every once in a while, he gets possessive of this toy where he bites down on one of the flowers. And he wants to carry it away. Like he starts trying to carry it away. And then he realizes if I do this, it's not going to play anymore. And so he starts carrying it away and he drops it and then he looks at me and then he sits down like, okay, I didn't carry it away. And he wants to keep playing. And eventually there will come a time where he just can't handle it anymore. And he's got to take it and walk off with it, even though it means it won't play anymore. He just that hunter instinct is just like, I got to kill the thing and he'll take it and he'll jump off the bed with it. And then he'll jump back up on the bed and he'll be like, well, fudge, 
there's no toy up here anymore. And this is like, it's fascinating to me to watch his little cat mind at work on all this. And it is no end of entertainment and amusement. And now I have forced you to listen to it. Sorry. My (laughs) chit chat. And I think we need to have a, a kitty cat trigger warning here. Uh, at the beginning of the show, so that if anybody is listening with a cat in the background, their cat doesn't freak out and hide from those very realistic cat sounds that you were making. <laughs> that was not realistic, but thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> if only he, he felt the same way. Um, we wanted to talk a little bit about character again, because character is at the heart of every story. Without character, there is no story. There's just stuff that happens that nobody's interested in because it's not happening to anybody. It's random. And it is, I think, probably one of the hardest parts of storytelling is learning to understand how to let character drive the story because things have to happen. And I think that those who write organically, who don't outline, probably have a little bit of an easier time keeping the story character-centric because they don't already have an idea of where the story is going and what needs to happen. They're more working with a what-if scenario and then letting it play out on the page as they go. But when you outline, then the danger of outlining is that outline can become a little bit like uh, shackles and that you're like cuffed to it and you just got to go along with it. And that can create a situation where the character starts driving the story. And that is when you end up with situations that just don't seem realistic or you're just not connecting with character or whatnot. And just, you know, baseline, we all know that no story is going to appeal to everyone. doesn't matter how well your characters are drawn. There's always going to be somebody out there who doesn't get it, finds them boring, finds them insipid, whatever. But you're going for like an average here, right? And Steve and I, we tend to just catch up and chat before we start recording or after we start recording. And a few weeks back, we were swapping movie notes. And I told him about this movie that he had, that I had seen. And he was like, oh, I saw that. I really want your opinion on that. And I was knowing that Steve and I sometimes have differing uh, tastes when it comes to movies. I was trying to couch it. And I was like, well, you know, I could see why some people might enjoy it. And you know, I think I'm just not the audience for it. I just, I found some issues, this, that, and the other. And I was just trying to be real cautious. And, and he's like, oh, good. I'm glad to hear because I thought it was awful. And I was like, so relieved. I was like, okay, great. Let's trash talk this. (laughs) (laughs) I actually said, this is the, I think it's the worst movie I've ever watched all the way through. And I'll explain Mm -hmm. why I watched it all the way through later, because it ties in with the topic. So. The topic that we're getting at is agency, character agency. That's really, I think, at the core of what Steve and I found wrong with this story. Now, we are, again, talking about a movie, but don't let that distract you. Ultimately, at the core of this, we're talking about story. We're talking about character. And when I think about this discussion that he and I had, that character agency, where 
characters take ownership and are the ones driving the story instead of just at the mercy of the story that's happening around them has a lot to do with how you feel about both the characters and the story as it progresses. So let's just keep that in mind because we're going to come back to that in a bit. And go ahead, Steve. We want to hear why this was the worst movie you ever sat all the way through. Well, as you said, it has to do with with character agency and something that we've talked about a lot on on the podcast is is the idea of character growth through the the course of a of a book, a story, whatever. And I've always held the belief that there, there are some people who will just say you've got to have character growth in in, in your main characters in the book. And I will say, well, Reacher never changes. Reacher's Reacher at the beginning of the book. He's Reacher at the end of the book. He's Reacher at the beginning of the next book, et cetera, et cetera. And the same with Spencer. So I see lots of books where it's not necessary for that. But in this particular story, uh, the main character, uh, at least I think, yeah, it was the main character of the story, uh, started out at such a low level. There was such an incredible opportunity for growth. and. I waited through to see that growth. And when there was no growth by the end of the movie, I wanted to throw something at the screen and get my 90 minutes back. I was so upset <laughs> that it hadn't, he hadn't changed at all. Essentially. He was just, things were happening to him and around him. Yes. And it just was very unsatisfying. Now, with that being said, there are a lot of people who liked the movie. Yes. So we're not bashing the movie. We are, kind of. We are, only we are totally personal. bashing the movie. But yes, from a personal standpoint. Per personal, <laughs> we didn't like it. Yeah, personal standpoint. Yes. Not like the movie is bad for everybody. So we're going to tell you the movie and we're going to give you a little bit of the storyline. Um, and then we'll go on from there. But just to touch back on what Steve said about character growth. And I agree that you can have stories without character growth like Reacher and Spencer, but all those characters who don't grow, they have agency. They are the ones driving the story. Their choices, their thoughts, their decisions are making the story what it is. The story is not happening to them. They are happening to the story. You can get away without character growth if the character is proactive, has agency, is, is there, and isn't just reactive to everything that happens in the story where the story is controlling them and you'll see what we're talking about. So Steve, you want to tell us a little bit about the movie? I won't remember it as clearly as you, but uh, feel free to step in uh, when you feel me getting off the rails. So it, the, the movie is okay. called me time and it stars Kevin Hart. And I can't remember who the other star is, Mark, but it's a Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Yes. Yeah, I'm two pretty big name authors. It's on Netflix. It's a comedy. Um, Julie and I sat down. It's like, this looks like it'll be fun. And so we start watching. And the Kevin Hart character, I mean, Taylor mentioned this as we were talking about it. Kevin Hart pretty much always just plays Kevin Hart. So he, he was playing Kevin Hart, but he was Kevin Hart, a, a married guy whose wife was the breadwinner. Um, uh, he, he was... He was sort of like the PTA dad. He's encouraging his his son to, uh, you know, practice for a, a big event that's coming up. He's just, you know, like dad of the year kind of thing. But he just 
seemingly got run over by everybody. He he just was going through life and like a like a pinball, just getting knocked around. And uh, he, he didn't have much agency. He, he was not no, a bad guy. Yeah. 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 He had no agency. Like he, he, he was buffeted by the winds of whatever was happening. And so in the story, he gets invited to a birthday party from his childhood best friend, who is uh, really kind of a wild child. Uh, guess you could say Peter Pan. He just never grew up. He's always doing crazy, dangerous things. And Kevin Hart decides to show up for this birthday party and they end up that the birthday party is gets put on a bus and they go out into the middle of nowhere, like Burning Man style. And they're just going to rough it in the wilderness. And, you know, one thing leads to another. And it's it's one of those sort of slapsticky bro guys do things together. Ridiculous things happen. And, you know, from one bad thing to the next until finally you reach the so-called happy ending. And I don't really, those are not movies that I necessarily really enjoy, but I don't have a problem with them per se. Uh, It's just this one in particular, the main character, well, Kevin Hart, he just is all, there's all this fast talking stuff going on and he's just like, whatever, and just goes along with everything. And then the one time he finally does make a decision, it is, the stupidest, most like in on what planet would that actually happen in that way? And it creates a rift between him and his wife. And it's it's a lot, but it's not handled with any sort of maturity or thought. It's just we're rushing from this to that to the other to the other for laughs that weren't actually even that funny. But the characters themselves were just, in my opinion, I love both of these actors, but the the story itself was just like non-existent. And we were trying to think what um, what audience is this for? Like, who who are we actually trying to appeal to here? Because we were like, well, maybe we're not the, the right audience. And Steve's like, oh, I think this is the audience of, written for men, for women who hate men. And I'm like, oh, but this doesn't strike me as the type of movie that women who hate men would enjoy either. So who was the audience? I I still don't know who the audience was. But in this whole process of this, this movie where they go from one ridiculous scenario to another without any room for thought, without any room, it's just, being swept away. It reminded me, this is maybe not the best analogy, but I think that it's something that could we could take away and apply to everyday, to our own writing scenarios. And it's the analogy of a river. So if you were to say the river is the story, that river is going to flow. Now, where it flows, how it carves the the terrain, what obstacles are along the way. We could call that plot. And your character is your character, and your character's on that river. So when your character has agency, that your character is going to influence, make choices of what happens to them along the river. Let's say they start off in a kayak or something, and everything's all fine, and then they hit some mild rapids. Is your character skilled 
in this particular river? Is Are they way out of their depth? That's going to determine how they navigate this small obstacle. And then let's say the obstacles start getting bigger. What choices does your character make? Do they, does their kayak get upturned? They lose all their supplies. They decide that the river's not the right way to go. So they're going to try and follow it from the shore. Maybe they decide, nope, I'm out. This is not the right river for me. Whatever the situation, your character is making those choices and that determines how far along the river you get and what the journey along that river is going to be like. When your character doesn't have agency, it's almost like they become a log or a piece of driftwood and they're just being driven by the water itself. And sure, that driftwood will go the full length of the river. It'll go over the waterfall. It'll get plunged into the water and all these things will happen to it. But it's just happening to it. The log is not deciding any of that. It's not making any choices. It's just there. So if all you're interested is watching a log float down a river, that story might work for you. But if you actually want to see someone involved with the river and how do they get past this and what happens to them, what do they do when their supplies get all overturned? And, you know, how do they get through the night and all of that? Then you're talking about character. And that was the difference to me in this particular movie between this sort of slapstick, you know, bros go on a rough and tumble journey and some of the others that I've seen. There's no character in this one. It's just all this stuff happening. And the the main character just is like a log. He just goes along with it, has no say so. Things happen to him. He goes over the waterfall. He gets plunged under the water. He gets bumped up against stuff. But it just happens to him. He doesn't do anything to make it different. And then the one time he decides, I'm not a log, I'm a character, he does the most stupid thing that nobody would do that wasn't a log. <laughs> so it, the difference isn't in this instance, isn't even about character growth. It's about character agency. And when your characters have agency, they're the thing, then they happen to the story. The story isn't happening to them. And I just thought this, this movie was such a good example of everything not to do about character agency. Over to you, Steve. I, I'm reflecting back on if there, I'm sure there are Kevin Hart fans who will watch anything that Kevin Hart is in. And I like for my, most of my life since the or, movie. Mystery. Or Mark Wahlberg fans. Yes. You know, I, I think, I think this is, this is more a Kevin Hart thing because Kevin Hart is the same in every movie and Mark Wahlberg is not, you know, this, he played this his true. character very well. Kevin Hart, you know, played Kevin Hart really well. But I, since the time of mystic peace, pizza if julia roberts is in a movie i'll watch it i don't care how good or bad it is i'll watch it because i want to see julia roberts in movies so i could see someone who's a kevin hart fan saying yeah i'm going to i'm going to watch this movie and i'll probably enjoy it because this is what i like to see i like to see kevin hart being kevin hart um getting back to the characters in the in the story it, this was just filled with with unlikable characters um, I, in my mind, the only likable character was Kevin Hart's wife. <laughs> and she, she was, she seemed to be the only character with agency and everyone else was, I mean, there was another powerful guy kind of character, but he was just, 
weird and he was just there. He was, he was sort of like a straw man character that somebody that just needed to be there. But she was, she was the one person in the, in the movie who behaved the way a person would, who responded the way a, a, a normal person would instead of just going along with whatever happened. Yeah. And I think one of the things that surprised me too is yeah, I guess it's become popular to to bash men, make them look stupid or the butt of the jokes. Really, all all of so much on television, and but yeah, commercials, so TV shows, is, everything. I know, everything. right? Everything, and and I know, like when you get movies like Hangover or um, you know American Pie or whatever, you're getting these characters, these young, well, yes, quasi young, young and middle age, I guess, characters in very uncomfortable situations. And that's what makes it funny. But the characters are not written in such a way that they are just stupid and worthless. And for some reason, the characters in this movie were written as if they had no redeeming qualities whatsoever. And I'm like, why? You know that it's men who are writing most of these scripts. Why would you do that? You know, it's let's not swing the pendulum so far to the other side that you know, because because men are amazing and and they have so much to offer. Why would you rob them of that? Even if the movie is using them as the butt of the joke or whatever, I'm very confused about that whole process. You know, the characters don't even have to be likable. They just have to have some redeeming quality that makes them interesting. And there was nothing about either of these characters that made them interesting. Even they were just, (sighs) yeah. Anyway, I want to go back to what you said about Reacher, because I think this is interesting and we can explore this a little bit. Um, the whole idea of Reacher having agency and Reacher happening to the story, not the story happening to Reacher. And I just the way you said that, it it just illuminated something in my brain in my mind that I'd never recognized before. And I've always enjoyed characters like Reacher, just going all the way back to early uh, detective novels and things like that, where there's just the old school tough guy detective. And there's not a lot of emotional growth. There's not a lot of, you know, just growth in general. They're just solving problems. And they're solving problems because it's the right thing to do. And they live by a code. And there there are all these tropes for this kind of story. But it works. And it allows you, maybe this allows you then to not need character growth for that type of story you can just have this fully developed fully fleshed out character and he or she can be the same throughout a lengthy series of books nero wolf would be another example and i I don't know how many nero wolf books there are but there are dozens and nero's always the same he's time passes by but but he is always the same his attitudes about things are always the same his reason for doing things are always the same, but he always has this amazing agency in in all of the stories. And so it's riveting to read about characters like that for me. And that's one of the things that I really like about Monroe is, is just that you may not agree with their motivations for things, but you understand them. And life certainly doesn't happen to Monroe. She happens to life. 
And I think maybe that's a really good example, too, is because every situation inside of Monroe's story that happens wasn't necessarily of her own doing. She gets thrown into these things that she in situations she doesn't even want to be in in the first place. But once she's in them, she doesn't just she doesn't just become a bystander. She's actively going after or changing or involved and that's character agency. She didn't choose to be there, but now that she's here, she's going to do the best that she can based on circumstances as they are. And it, it's also a good example because these are stories that are plotted, which means that the story, the plot knows the story knows this needs to happen that needs to happen she needs to get from here to there it's not organically written where we're just watching her do what she does and then oh now we're at the end it is plotted but because the character is driving the story and it's written in such a way that it seems that she's the one getting them from there to here based on this reasoning or that reasoning when you get to that plot point it feels character-driven and not plot-driven, which is we were talking last week about, you know, chapter 14 before and after in the drafts that I was putting up. That's why I was thinking, well, this might actually be helpful to some people because it shows the difference. And it's, it's not a scene where a lot is happening. There's a lot of discussion going on, choices, but they're choices that to not act. Why am I not acting? Here's why I'm not acting in this circumstance. Here's why I'm letting the river carry me in this circumstance, because I know where the river's going to take me, and that's what I want. That's character agency versus it just happening, but we don't understand what's going on inside the character's head. Then it feels like they're just going along with it. So it's very subtle. You see a movie like Me Time, and it smacks you in the face, but then you're trying to figure out how to take what you're seeing and apply it to your own work and you realize it's not quite as black and white in your own black and white writing um it, it's a lot more subtle and so that's why i think character agency is at the core of all of this is does your character have agency is there motivation is there a reason for why the character acts or doesn't act in this particular circumstance if they are not acting <clears throat> why are they not acting in this particular, why do they not have agency in this? And once you explain to the reader through the character's thoughts why they're not acting, then even not doing something still is agency because you understand their choice. They're not just going along with it. And that's where I think a lot of beginning authors struggle is they don't understand how you do this. How do you take this story that's obviously going to happen regardless, just like that river, that river is going to flow regardless. How do you make it so that it's not about a log floating down the river and it's actually a character that's involved with the river as, as the river flows? And it, it all boils down to agency. Do we feel that this character is taking control of their life or doing the best that they can to take control of their life? And if they're choosing not to, why? And once you start getting into that, then you start getting your emotional beats, you start getting your uh, character insights that, that fill out the plot, 
and it takes what is really a plot-driven story and it makes it a character-driven story because you're inside the character's head and you understand why the things are happening or happening. And that is this week's show. So we thank you guys very much for listening, and we will be back with you again next week. Thanks for being here, guys. See you next week.